Welcome to the Family Tree Magazine podcast, the show from America's number one genealogy magazine. I'm your host, Lisa Louise Cook. In this episode, we're going to check in at the editor's desk with Allison Stacy, editor of Family Tree Magazine. We'll be covering the latest hot topics from the blogosphere with genealogy insider and managing editor Diane Haddad. In our top tips segment, we'll find out from contributing editor David Frixell how the Family Tree Magazine 101 best websites are selected, and Allison will tell us about one of her favorite sites on the list. We'll be highlighting a terrific library that is better than ever, and finally, we'll learn some tricks from Maureen Taylor on how to research our family history on a budget in our Best of Family Tree Magazine segment. There's lots to cover, so let's get to it. Our first stop is the editor's desk with Allison Stacy. In each episode of the podcast, we get a chance to check in with the editor of Family Tree Magazine to find out what's been going on behind the scenes and what we can look forward to in upcoming issues. So with me now is the editor of Family Tree Magazine, Allison Stacy. Hi, Allison. Hi, Lisa. Well, tell us uh, what's coming up in, in the next issue of the magazine. The September issue is our next issue, and this is one that readers look forward to every year because it includes our annual guide to the 101 best websites for genealogy. And contributing editor David Frixell will be here later to talk about that. Um, in the meantime, um, you can check out all of the previous year's 101 best website lists on our website, familytreemagazine.com, where we'll soon be posting links to this year's list um, for you to access as well. Oh, great. So we can get to the websites directly from there and just click on the links. Absolutely. Wonderful. Yeah. Uh, In addition to that article, we are covering court records and wills and probate. Um, And if you've used these records, you know that they're great resources for tracing your family, but they can be tricky. Usually they're not in searchable online databases. In some cases, they're not even indexed. So in our articles, what we focused on is how you can find them and use them and pick out the ones that are relevant to your family. Terrific. Yeah, we also have um, a few other feature articles on Hungarian roots, house histories. We have state guides to Maryland and Oklahoma. And in our toolkit section, there's an article where we've answered readers' top 10 computer questions. Oh, I bet you had lots of uh, good questions to choose from for that article. We sure did. Now, you mentioned house histories. Is that right? Maybe you could tell us what that is. Sure. For genealogists, you may be interested in learning more about the places that your ancestors live. But I know for me personally, I own an old house. And so I really wanted to learn more about the people who inhabited it. And um, in that article, we give advice um, on the different resources that you can check uh, to learn more about who lived there, what it looked like, and all the details of the places that your ancestors lived. Oh, what a terrific idea. I know that uh, many years ago, my husband and I renovated an old Victorian, and, and I happened to be digging through the files at the local public library and actually found an original picture of the house when it was first built. And it is kind of exciting. It's amazing the transformation that houses go through. So that'll be a really neat article. Yeah, and it's really neat to be able to find out information. The, the house may not even still be standing, but there are resources that you can use to get a sense of what it was like. And you know, if, if it's not there, whether it is, you get a sense of how the neighborhood has evolved and what life would be like for your ancestors. 
Sounds great. Well, that's coming up in the September 2008 issue. Thanks so much, Allison, for giving us the heads up. Thanks, Lisa. There's a lot going on in the world of genealogy, and Diane Haddad, Managing Editor of Family Tree Magazine, is here to tell us about it in our News from the Blogosphere segment. Hi, Diane. Hi, how are you? Great. Well, as editor of the Family Tree Magazine's Genealogy Insider blog, you've got a really good sense of what's going on in the minds of genealogists. So tell us what you've been writing about and what genealogists are out there talking about. Well, I think a recent um, development has been the preview that's available now for Ancestry.com's new uh, search interface that they have. We've had some comments on that, and I've seen some comments on other blogs. Um, That's a site that a lot of people know about, a lot of people use. So um, that's kind of something important that people are talking about. Right. Now, you wrote about that in your June second, two 2008 blog, and it looks like you got a lot of comments. What, what are people saying about it? Well, um, most of these, in particular, comments, people seem to um, prefer the, the old version of the search. And I think any time there's something new, um, it takes a while to get used to it. Sure. You know, you get comfortable with a website, and then suddenly they change it up again. Right. So um, hopefully um, some of the kinks that people... Um, we're noticing will get worked out from that. Were there some specific things that Ancestry was trying to accomplish with this new um, search interface? I think they were trying to make it easier to use, um, easier to to move around in. One thing that I particular, particularly liked about it is that the um, refine your search window is now on the left of your results screen. So you don't have to scroll all the way to the bottom and hit the back key right. to to change your search. And you can enter a new name, you can change the dates on it. Um, something else that I liked is that the results are um, grouped according to record category, so you can filter them in any way you want. You can choose results from the census, and then you can choose the results from the 1920 census or a state census. Um, I think one thing that might be throwing people off is that they might be expecting that the search engine will return better results. And the search engine hasn't changed. So if you got irrelevant results before, you'll still get irrelevant results. Um, I think something else that might throw people off is that in the new search, you can choose exact for any search term. So you can can search on any first name and an exact last name. Mm -hmm. But you still, and I don't know why this happens, but you'll still get results that aren't an exact match to what you specified you wanted an exact match for. I noticed that too, yeah. So I think that that probably um, can be a little frustrating for people. You bet. So what are some of your your readers for the Genealogy Insider blog, what are they saying about the new search and what they think about it? Well, we had um, someone who who definitely likes the appearance Mm -hmm. um, because it does look cleaner. It's easier to see you know, what part of the website is where and where your results are. So they thought that was easier to use, but they were um, not happy with the results. Because, again, they're getting the same results because the search, search engine is the same search engine. Right. Someone else feels that the results aren't as good as with the old <laughs> version. Well, and really, usability is a key factor. I think it's so easy for us to get used to a, a website that maybe 
isn't actually that user friendly, but you kind of learn the quirks and you right. and you start moving quickly with it. Mm-hmm. But then when it actually gets improved to be more user friendly, you find yourself feeling lost. But right. hopefully just temporarily, right? Right, right. And I, I know that Ancestry.com has a link where you can click to tell them what you think. So if you find something that's not working, you can you think that there should be an improvement here or there, definitely use that link and send it in. Um, send your ideas in because they it's, it is a search preview. They are still working on improving this um, this new search interface. Great. Well, that's nice that they're open to that feedback, and it makes it kind of a two-way conversation. Yeah, definitely. Well, terrific. Well, thank you so much for joining us, and we'll have to uh, ask people to keep those comments coming in on, on the new Ancestry interface and, and hopefully uh, also send their comments over to Ancestry. Obviously, the more input, the more things improve. Definitely. Make your voice heard. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Thanks for making your voice heard on your blog. Thanks for joining us. You're welcome. Today's top tips segment, I've asked David Frixell to join me today to talk about the Family Tree Magazine's exclusive annual guide to the 101 best websites for tracing your roots. And David wrote this year's article uh, for the August-September 2008 issue. So welcome to the show, David. Thanks very much for having me. I know that everybody waits breathlessly for this issue to come out each year and find out what's new and what's going on out there in cyberspace. Before we jump into that, tell us a little bit about um, your affiliation with the magazine and kind of what you do there. Well, actually, I helped to uh, start the magazine when I worked for uh, the company that publishes Cemetery, S&W Publications, and uh, they had done a fair amount of things with genealogy before and sort of had the notion uh, that maybe we should start a magazine, and I sort of spearheaded the effort and uh, was the original editor of the magazine, and then when... I moved on. Uh, I'd already hired Allison, and fortunately had someone there who could follow in my footsteps, and she has done a uh, superb job, and I've been writing for her ever since and continued to uh, be a contributing editor of the magazine. So I sort of feel like it's my baby, but now uh, Allison is uh, taking care of it. Oh, fantastic. So we've got one of the founding fathers on the podcast. <laughs> Did you ever think that we would be moving into the area of, of adding a podcast to the magazine? When the magazine started, it was all we could do to get a website started. Yeah. Podcasts were sort of beyond our imagination, I think, at that point. Well, it's really exciting that the Internet has just blown open the doors on genealogy in all aspects, and um, that's really what, what you've brought to the table in this article is um, going out there and finding what you think are the hottest and newest. Well, you tell us, what is your criteria for the 101 best websites? Well, it's interesting. The 101 idea was one of the first cover stories that we ever did in the magazine and have been doing it ever since, uh, every year. And, of course, the criteria have changed completely because, you know, now we're sort of spoiled about sort of thing you can get on the Internet. Back when we started, it was just here are some useful sites, you know, lots of lists of links, that sort of thing. Just the idea that, that you could find stuff on the Internet that might help you. And now we've become much more demanding. We, you know, we can have sites where there's actual genealogy data that you can actually research online, and that was sort of uh, unheard of um, originally. And so every year we've changed the criteria a little bit, just trying to make it fresh. And this year we thought, well, we've, we're always asking, you know, saying, 
here's the 101 best websites. And this year we decided to think, 101 best for whom? Mm -hmm. So we broke it down into various categories. So we've got a group of sites, for example, that are we think are among the best for beginners. We've got them a group of sites for people who really like to do as much genealogy as possible online and would just as soon never leave their house. <laughs> so we've got this, the best for the web-centric researchers. And then for all kinds of people who have particular kind of research needs, so people who are military buffs and trying to find out if their ancestors' military past, or people who they're still really researching the roots in the United States of their ancestors. Then we've got sites for people who are sort of jumped the pond and are researching in uh, the British Isles and elsewhere on the continent right. and so forth. So try to really uh, break them up into groups so that people who are coming to the magazine, regardless of their own experience or what their needs are, can jump quickly to some of the sites that are going to be the most useful for them. Now, with the, the vast number of websites there are and the ones that are popping up every day, how do you become aware of them and um, how do you kind of go through that process and funnel it down? Well, fortunately, I get a lot of help from the Family Tree Magazine staff. They're always on top of these things and they will uh, route to me sort of their favorites that they've come across you know, during the year. And then, of course, I read all sorts of newsletters and, and all kinds of mailing lists to uh, you know, find out new sites. And we get some press releases and that sort of thing. The, the real challenge is blending those new sites, some of which are you know, really terrific, with the sort of old reliable sites, which are still awfully good and useful. So we're always trying to you know, strike a balance there between the new and the old. Exactly. But I, I love the fact that, that you have kind of categorized it this year because I know how it is. You know, you pick up that issue and you want to start from the top and you start going through them and I make it to about the third one and I'm, you know, knee deep in it. And how wonderful that you've kind of already done some of the homework for us to say, I can go in and um, say, wow, I think I'll start here because I know I'll never get through them all and I want to get to the ones that will mean the most for me. And of course, just because a site is listed under best for beginners, for example, like Family Search, doesn't mean that somebody who's an experienced web researcher won't find that site also useful. So right. We hope that you'll eventually work your way through the you know, entire 101. But if you are coming to it, maybe it's the first time you even picked up the magazine. You thought, well, I've always wanted to try genealogy, uh, and we've always, since the very beginning, tried to make Family Tree Magazine beginner-friendly as well as um, for experts. So you pick up the magazine and you go to 101 best websites and you might think, well, I'll start with some of these best for beginners. That's a good way to you know, sort of dive into it. Uh, or you might be one of those people who you know, is really trying to prove that you, know, you had an ancestor who fought in the Revolutionary War and so you flip right to the military history buffs best sites and you know, dive into those. So at least it gives you a starting place. Uh, since 101 is, is a lot, it'll take you a while. You bet. Well... I will again direct everybody to head to the August-September 2008 issue. Um, that's where you're going to find David's list, 101 best websites. Uh, can't wait to see it and can't wait to uh, see the coming years. I assume you'll keep this up for us? I'm sure we will. <laughs> Terrific. Thanks so much for joining us today, David. Well, now that we have an idea of how the 101 best websites are selected for Family Tree Magazine, 
I've asked Allison Stacy, the editor of the magazine, to come back and join us and talk to us about one of her favorite websites that is featured in that article. Hi, Allison. Hi, Lisa. Well, which one uh, grabbed your attention that you want to highlight for us today? Well, I chose We Relate for this segment, and part of the reason for that is it's a different kind of genealogy website. It's actually a genealogy wiki. A wiki. Okay, now, the only wiki I know about is uh, Wikipedia. (laughs) So is it like a Wikipedia website? It's a lot like that. In a nutshell, a wiki is a website that lets users add and update content collectively, so it becomes a community effort. And you mentioned Wikipedia, which is the popular free online encyclopedia. It covers everything from AA batteries to ZZ Top, the rock group. Um, And so that's kind of the idea behind We Relate is the users contribute content. You can create a page about any subject or any person or place that you um, are interested in, and other people can help you put information in there so that it becomes um, more informative and more thorough. Now, when we talk about subjects, I'm assuming if we're talking genealogy, we are talking about uh, ancestors or, or places, historic places. How do you focus in on a topic? Well, from a genealogy standpoint, wiki technology would let you, for example, begin a page on your third great-grandfather. That would be what would be called a people page. And it would include vital data and personal details. You can either do that manually or you can upload a Judcom file with all of your names in it. And um, once you've created that page for your third great-grandfather, some other researcher could come along. And, for example, maybe they have the family Bible where your third great-grandfather is mentioned. They could create a scan of that and upload it to the page. They could include photos or additional information that they have found. And so the way that we relate to set up... um, Everyone who's watching a particular page gets an email when new information is added, and it's all done through We Relate so that you're not giving your email out where spammers can harvest it. So if it was one individual, let's say George Washington, um, there aren't going to be 10 different George Washington pages out there. It sounds like you would approach the site by doing a search, Mm -hmm. see if there's already an existing page and add to it. And then if not, you could start a new one? Absolutely. That sounds like a great way to go about it. And many people obviously have GEDCOM files that they've already created, and so you can use that as a starting point. The site has a uh, tutorial to walk you through the process of submitting a GEDCOM file, and that's a great way to just kind of get a bunch of pages going all at once. Now, this is another prime example of how a website brings genealogists together, but it is a little bit different than a what we call a social networking website, isn't it? So maybe you could talk a little bit about that difference. Sure. I think um, when you look at other social networking websites like Family Link or Gene Tree, the emphasis is on the users connecting with one another, whereas with we relate. The focus is really more on the subjects that you're researching, be it a person or a place or a particular topic. That's really exciting that it it focuses in on the particular ancestor and then everybody else comes together and meets there to talk about that person and share what they know. Yeah, and another thing that's great about this technology is you don't need any kind of coding skills or be a computer whiz. They're set up so that all you have to do is type into the site. You don't have to be an expert with uh, website coding. 
Oh, fantastic. That means everybody can participate. Yeah, and I think one of the things that's going to help We Relate grow and really add to the robustness of the content is that they have two pretty major partnerships. One is with the Allen County Public Library in Fort Wayne, Indiana, which is the largest public library genealogy collection in the United States. And they've also partnered with the University of South Florida's Africana Heritage Project on the forthcoming AfriQuest database um, of African-American genealogy and history documents. So there's a lot of different projects going on, and they're adding a lot of content. Um, So it's definitely one to check out. So do those partners um, provide information to the wiki as well? Uh, Yes, they do, and I think they help with quality control. So is there a fee involved to participate in We Relate? There is not a fee. It's completely free, and the owners, the Foundation for Online Genealogy, have committed to making sure that it will always be free. Um, They accept tax-deductible donations to help keep it that way, but one of the things that they really emphasize um, when you go through the process of signing up is that the data will never be claimed by We Relate um, and that you're free to do with it. you know, it's, it's all about sharing. So maybe, Allison, you can finish off by sharing with us the website address that we can find We Relate. It's at werelate.org. Easy enough. Wonderful. Thank you so much for sharing with us. It sounds exciting. I'll have to go check that out. Well, with that... Uh, rising costs of gasoline these days, and I know where I live, it's hitting about $4.50 a gallon. Um, I have thought it would be very timely to invite back Maureen Taylor to the show to talk to us about an article she wrote a few years ago. It was June of 2005. It was called Cheap Tricks, and I think it's as relevant today as it must, probably even more so than it was back in 2005. Hi, Maureen. Thanks for joining us again on the show. Hey, Lisa, how are you? Doing terrific. I love saving money, and you have 26 money-saving secrets specifically geared for genealogists in this article. Well, I can't believe I wrote this in 2005. You know, we were just talking about this. You know, gas was, was what, a dollar a gallon? <laughs> <laughs> it felt like it. Right, and it was, you know, hard to, you know, make the make ends meet in 2005, and now here is 2008, and gas is over $4 a gallon here in the Boston area, so uh, it's even more important. Um, but these, all these tips in this article are still relevant. Exactly. I mean, when we think about if we pay a fee for a subscription site, we go, oh, gosh, that's, you know, a big chunk of money. And then, but yet, if we were to be heading back and forth to the library, plus ordering microfilms and paying for those, um, my guess is we're still coming out ahead doing the wonderful online subscription sites that are available today. But but there are other ways to save money as well. Uh, I, you know, I'm always looking for ways to save money. So I try to find free websites. I build my own library using used book uh, dealers online. I seek complimentary consultations. So actually, Lisa, I have my favorite tip, and that is I use, I go to the library. I live right around the corner from my public library, and the resources at the library shouldn't be underestimated. There's interlibrary loan, so that if there's a book I don't have in my personal library, I can order it through interlibrary loan through the reference department, and they have it shipped so that I can use it in my home or in the reference department, and that way there I don't have to buy the book. They have, um, some libraries have Heritage Quest Online free for people to use or Ancestry's Library Edition, plus they have databases. I mean, the number one tip for 
saving money is check out the resources at your public library before you spend a dime. I think that's a great idea because so many books, you can at least see a snippet of them either on the Google Book search or on Amazon. Then you can find it on WorldCat, which Allison and I talked about in the last episode. But then you can interlibrary loan the book once you've identified, yep, this one's the one. And I know in my area it's like $5. And a couple years ago I thought that was a lot. But now when I think about the cost of driving to wherever that book is, um, it's a bargain. My library actually is free. Oh, your library is better than mine. Your library loan is free, and I use it a lot. Uh, you know, I do all that online searching first to see what title is appropriate and where it might be in the area, and then I go to the library with armed with the, the information to, to order the book. And yeah. I'm happy to do it. Exactly. And another one that I thought was terrific was number 20, which was make low-cost copies. And you talked about using a digital camera to make your copies. I love digital. It's that whole free factor with digital cameras where you have that initial investment in the camera itself, and it, there's a lot involved in buying a camera. You know, what fits your budget? How many megapixels do you need? You know, what kind of zoom does it have and all that kind of thing. But you can with a digital camera, take pictures of microfilm frames, book pages, cemetery stones. I mean, you can really document all kinds of research and then just upload them to your computer. Obviously, you have to cite your sources if you, you copy something from a book. But you can share those images with other family members. It's just a great, it's just a great thing. I love the digital cameras. Everyone in my family has one now. Oh, yeah, exactly. And and I would recommend people bring their instruction book with them because it, a lot of times there are settings available on the camera that you're not normally using, but that really lend themselves to making these copies of um, of pages. Oh, right. I recommend you carry it with you and you read it before you take the camera with you on a trip. But you also need to get a super large memory card for for when you go on these trips because you end up taking more pictures than you think. Well, these are all terrific tips. And again, listeners, you can find them at the uh, June 2005 article, Cheap Tricks by Maureen A. Taylor. And that's actually going to be coming out in a new compilation CD of the 2005 magazine issues from Family Tree Magazine. Thank you so much for joining us today, Maureen. And um, we're going to have to get out there and save some money. Yeah, Lisa, can we just mention the free things on the Family Tree Magazine website? Oh, please do. They have uh, free charts that you can download. They have free information, almost like online pamphlets, to go with some of the articles that they've run. I write that photo detective column for them, and you submit your photo, and if you're, you're lucky and you win the lottery, uh, you get me to, to work on your photo for free. The other thing I want to say is if you've got a tip that I haven't covered in the article, email it to me at mtaylor at taylorandstrong.com. I'd love to hear from you. Wonderful. We may see that in a future article. That's right. Terrific. Well, thanks again, Maureen. Thank you, Lisa. Well, earlier this year, the folks at Family Tree Magazine did a survey of libraries across the nation trying to assess their holdings as well as the services they provide. And this led them to an article that you'll find in the June-July 2008 issue. It's called Top Shelves. And the folks at Family Tree Magazine have handed out what they call the Libby Awards. 
And what they've really determined is, is that there are a lot of outstanding libraries out there, but the really outstanding libraries are the ones that have the materials that you need. Isn't that the truth? <laughs> so I've asked Allison Stacy, the editor of Family Tree Magazine, to join us to talk to us today about one of the outstanding libraries listed in that article. Hi, Allison. Hi, Lisa. Well, I understand that you have one uh, that you want to talk to us about that you actually recently visited. Tell us about it. Yeah, I was really lucky um, to be in Kansas City in May to attend the National Genealogical Society Conference, and I got to get a sneak peek, along with managing editor Diane Haddad, of the Mid-Continent Public Library's brand-new Midwest Genealogy Center. It was still under construction at the time, but we got a hard hat tour, and then there was a special reception for NGS attendees that we also dropped in on. They've been making some huge improvements there, haven't they? They sure have. Um, for the listeners who don't know, Midcontinent has one of the better public library genealogy collections in the country, um, and the new center is really going to be a facility that befits the wonderful collection that they have. Um, one of the biggest changes is the facility size. Um, they're going from a pretty small area of um, a branch library to a 50,000 square foot facility. Oh my goodness. And in that facility, they're going to have a lot of space for things that they didn't have at the old library. Uh, they have a archival temperature controlled and humidity controlled area where rare materials can be housed. They will have more microfilm readers and printers. They'll have a computer lab classrooms, more materials out in open stacks, the list goes on. That's exciting. So pretty much anything in the in the area of genealogy that you'd want to do, you could do there at that library. And and how nice to hear that they're really putting an emphasis on preservation. Sounds like with their climate controlled um, environment. Yeah, we actually spoke with one the archivist at the Midcontinent Public Library who was just thrilled about this in particular. Um, as she put it, the patrons will no longer have to handle moldy and mildewy materials. <laughs> Ew, that sounds like a good idea. We don't want to do that. Right, well, but before they had to put materials in the basement, so this is going to be a really big improvement. Oh, wow. Now, you, you've had a chance here to tell us about it, but the listeners of this podcast can also take a look at it with you, can't they? They sure can. We uh, made a video, Diane and I did, uh, showing a little bit of the before and after. We did the old facility, and then you can see us in our hard hats and during the reception to get a sense of what the new space is like, and it's on our YouTube channel at youtube.com slash Magazine. The difference is really striking. Well, you know, and I saw you with your hard hats on. There is nothing you won't do for genealogy, is there? No, we are committed to going the distance. <laughs> Thanks so much for joining me for this episode of the Family Tree Magazine podcast, the monthly show from America's number one genealogy magazine. Here are a couple of action items for you until we meet here again next month. First, keep an eye out for the upcoming article 101 Best Websites in the August-September 2008 issue of the magazine. And if you have a favorite website that you want to share, email it to me at ftmpodcast at gmail.com. Next, go to the Family Tree Magazine website at FamilyTreeMagazine.com and click the podcast tab to check out the show notes for this episode. I'll have links to all the websites mentioned 
as well as information on how you can get the new Family Tree Magazine 2005 compilation CD, which includes Maureen Taylor's article, Cheap Tricks, which includes 26 great money-saving ideas. And as Maureen mentioned, the website is chock-full of great free resources to help you in your research. And finally, if you're enjoying the show, I hope you'll tell your friends and your local genealogy society about it. You can find us on the web at familytreemagazine.com slash podcast. Thank you so much for joining me today. I'm Lisa Louise Cook, and I hope you'll visit me at my website, genealogygems.tv, where you can listen to my free Genealogy Gems podcast, which is also available through iTunes. So until next time, have fun climbing your family tree.